Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a Ken's Five podcast on your San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd. I'm Cameron Songer. And Cameron, if you're expecting David Robinson as your co-host, that's the wrong podcast. <laughs> uh, and we had some fun, you know, a little inside baseball. We get the uh, the press release that David Robinson has a new podcast. It's called The Fundamentals. And we were like, wait a second. That's us. But, uh, you know, he's not talking about basketball. He's talking about life. And he's a legendary Spur, but a legendary San Antonian for what he's done for the community. If you get a chance, check out that podcast, but check it out after you listen to this one, because we got some things to talk about, Cameron. We got FIBA fallout happening right now. Nuclear. It's uh, dangerous. The bad kind of fallout. You don't want this kind of fallout. For anyone who's uh, who's missed the news, Team USA finished seventh in the World Cup. We're going to break down how we got there. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty easy group stage early on. Uh, They went 5-0 in those first two group stage rounds, and the margin of victory was plus 107. They did have that overtime game against Turkey, but other than that, it was pretty smooth sailing. Then they get to the quarterfinals, that first in the elimination round um, play, and they uh, lose to France, 89-79. to Then they drop the next game to Serbia, 94-89, and uh, finish the tournament with a win in the seventh-place game over Poland. That's not what they're kind of hoping for there, were they? No, no. I mean, it was just not... It was kind of doomed from the start, almost. The, the the way the team was built, I think you go back and look at that roster and you say, wait a minute, there was no power forwards. There's one or maybe two all-NBA guys, and everybody else is a borderline all-star at best, all the way down to, you know, I guess Derek White and, and Plumlee. So really, that's not what Team USA is used to seeing in the Olympics or in international competition of any kind. So already they came in with the same expectations as those teams, but nowhere near the level of talent. Yeah, this was the first time the USA has failed to medal at at an international event since 2002. And I think, yeah, you mentioned how this roster was built. We kind of knew big men were going to be an issue in this tournament. You know, we talked about what are they going to do against Nikola Jokic and the Serbian team. They didn't even get to that point. It was Rudy Gobert on this French team who just kind of owned Team USA uh, in that game. 21 points, 16 rebounds, 3 blocks, a plus 26 and the plus minus. Uh, But there were other problems here, too. Yeah, just defense at times just looked disorganized. I know that drives Coach Popovich crazy. He's a defense-first kind of coach. And, uh, again, with the defense, when that struggles, you know the offense has to be good. And that they also – they just look disjointed at times. And it's not to be – it's not really a surprise when you think about the fact these are mostly guys who hadn't played together. Yeah, there were four Boston Celtics on the team. But of those four, one of them is a new guy to the Celtics in Kemba Walker. He ends up being pretty much the team's best player. So best case scenario, you have a couple guys who have maybe played with him once or twice in some some pickup or maybe an all-star or, uh, you know, with the Celtics, maybe they've gotten together for some off-season stuff, but not really. Uh, so the chemistry with the best guy isn't there. The second best guy is probably Donovan Mitchell. He, none of his teammates are on that team. He's a pretty young guy as well, used to being the guy, and now has to kind of adjust to being a number two guy. And then it just filters on down the line. Uh, it didn't help that Jason Tatum got injured in that Turkey game. A game they should have lost, by the way. I mean, we could go deep into that if we wanted to. I think it's probably better for everyone's sanity that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just it, it never really clicked. And I know this is going to end up going on Coach Popovich as, oh, this is a, you know, it's a bad thing. It's a, it's a mark against him. But he, I think he really did about as good as you could have hoped for, given the circumstances. I still don't think that means this was a success, though. We'll get to that in, in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
And I think that France game was was pretty deflating for them. They had higher hopes in the quarterfinals exit, and that was kind of reflected in the Serbia game uh, when they fell behind 32 to seven after the first quarter. I mean, Serbia just they they looked like a team that maybe had played together before, you know. Unlike it's because they it's because they have <laughs> maybe they played together before, and the USA hasn't. Yeah, 32 seven after the first quarter against Serbia. And that's I mean, obviously Team USA at that point they know they're not even playing for a medal anymore uh, once they've lost in the quarterfinals to France, but. In that France game, Team USA had a three-point lead entering the fourth quarter, so they just they just imploded. They they ended up losing by what was it, ten points? Yeah, ten eighty-nine seventy-nine. And that the, I mean that reached double digits in the final kind of thirty seconds when they're fouling to kind of stop the clock and give them the game. It was a close game. I mean, there were some French guys who were NBA guys who came in and made a difference. Like Frank Nicotina played amazing defense on uh, the Team USA's backcourt. Um, but yeah, I mean, they dropped the ball, uh, if you will. I, how much that's reflected on Pop? Uh, I, I'm with you. I don't think that's. I think. I mean, even Pop himself said they did the best they could under the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, you could even rewind a little bit more that exhibition loss to Australia. I think that raised a lot of red flags, and I think I wasn't the only person who was saying this might actually be a good thing for Team USA. It, it sort of refocuses them. It gets their their heads right again. Uh, and then I think maybe the the game against Turkey was also a turning point. I think again in a group stage you can afford that loss. I would have liked to have seen them lose that game. I think maybe they still end up losing to France or whoever. The matchup might have been different. Maybe they can advance a little bit further. Uh, But I think when a team gets used to the idea that they don't have to bring their A game to win, that's extremely dangerous. It'll work if you're rolling out literally the five best Americans in their primes. No one's injured. There's good chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. That was nowhere near the case this year. Yeah, and honestly, the public reaction behind the seventh place finish was uh, a little toxic. And uh, I mean, Popovich spoke to that. I think uh, there's an ESPN article where Pop says Team USA critics are immature and arrogant. Uh, Those are strong words. I mean, he's not one to mince words either. So, uh, yeah, he says some people want to play the blame game. There's no blame to be placed anywhere. They want to play the shame game. Like, we would be ashamed because we didn't win a gold medal. That's a ridiculous attitude. And, I mean, that goes back to the fact that, I mean, the international kind of playing field has been leveled a bit. All these teams, these teams that were in the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals matches, all had NBA I'd say stars on the team um, with Jokic, with Gasol. Uh, Argentina has some aging stars, maybe some guys who weren't, you know, at that level, but starters at least in the league, all stars in the league. I mean, these are a talent that's kind of been spread across the globe now. Yeah, and I mean, there were a lot of guys who are not considered NBA stars or superstars, or even sometimes, you mentioned Nikitina, uh, Bogdanovich for Serbia had a great oh game, especially against Team USA, just yeah. shot the lights out. I think he's a rising star. He, he showed out in the uh, the Rising Stars game two years ago in during All-Star Weekend, but I, he's going to continue to grow and be, and be an impressive player. But yeah, uh, Team USA, it's clear that the, the gap is is narrowed quite a bit. And I'm, I'm definitely happy for uh, Spain and Marc Gasol. Uh, a really good side-by-side picture of him in 2006 when they won. When he looked like you know babyface, and now here in uh, 2019 when he's the the aging veteran. But uh, it's nice to see them win something, especially all of those battles they had with Team USA in the Olympics. This is a nice prize for them, and I'm definitely hoping, of course, Team USA rebounds in a big way in the Olympics next year. Uh, I think, speaking of the Olympics, the, you know that was a success because they did clinch an Olympic berth next year. They don't have to go through a qualifying tournament in the next 12 months or so. Was that the only goal, or just can this still be considered a failure even though they accomplished that? That's a great question. I mean, I think, honestly, the big picture is the Olympics gold medal. I mean, this hurts that, you know, and the public's reaction is this stings that they didn't win on the big stage like this. But I don't know how much 
our basketball players care about the FIBA World Cup. I don't know how much our public reaction cares, our public audience cares about that until we lose like this, and then it becomes a big deal. Um, if they'd won the gold medal, it would have been like, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, it's the scrolling along on the bottom of yeah. uh, your sports cast or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, Pop wants a gold medal. That's why he's here. He wants an Olympic gold medal. Um, I, he wants that kind of overall international success because that's what's missing from his resume. And you ask Popovich, and he won't talk about how much he cares about resume. It's all about life is bigger than basketball. But you got to know there's something about, you know, as, an, as a guy who likes the international game, who has an immense respect for the international game, winning on that stage would be the pinnacle to his career, I'd say. The, the, the crown, the, the, the cap on top of a legendary career. Um, so I, that's my goal. I think that was what I, going into it, that was what I was saying. Get to the Olympics, they'll win there. Don't worry about it, kind of thing. Yeah, I, th I think you mentioned the public reaction kind of suggesting that maybe the expectations were a little bit higher. I think they should have been a little bit higher. I mean, yes, this wasn't Team USA's A team or B team or probably even C team, but at the same time, I think seventh places shouldn't be acceptable. It's the, you know their worst finish in a very long time, especially now that Team USA sort of rebooted itself and uh, become a little bit more prestigious. I would think about if you were grading it on a letter scale, I'd give it a D minus. Mm -hmm. You passed, but just barely, and nobody's happy with it at all. Uh, to fail would have been, to, to for some reason, if they didn't qualify for the Olympics, and the bar was pretty low. They had to be in the top two out of four teams coming from the, uh, the Americas region, which is kind of weirdly defined, but Canada didn't bring any of its best players, and I think all you had to do other than that was finish higher than, like, Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and Team USA was able to do that, so hooray, you Somehow, know. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, you qualified for the Olympics. And, and A, to get an A, you would have needed to, to win the gold. I think to get a B, you probably would need to get a medal. A C probably comes down to, like, you missed a medal, but something really weird happened. There were a whole bunch of injuries. Let's say all of the centers... Uh, you know, broke their foot, so suddenly Harrison Barnes had to play 40 minutes a night as, <laughs> as your center, and that's that's why you didn't get a medal. Uh, that didn't happen. Yes, there was an injury to Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart also missed some time, but those weren't your key core guys. It hurt a little bit what they were trying to do, especially with Tatum on the offensive end. He brought a lot of versatility. Smart is a really good defender, but you, you had ways to replace that production in other ways and move some stuff around. So yeah, I think this is a D at best, probably a D minus, and uh, definitely not a good look for uh, Coach Pop and any of the players who were involved, unfortunately for them, because they're the ones who, who put their bodies on the line and represented the red, white, and blue. Yeah, so we, we kind of danced around it, but yeah, Spain won the tournament. Uh, Marcus Saw kind of was the face of that franchise. Ricky, Ricky Rubio is the MVP. Those are two guys who have been on the Spanish team for a while together. Better part of a decade, if not yeah, more. 2008, I think, was the Olympics. That was when Ricky Rubio really had his coming out party. There you go. So, I mean, you got to think that something about, you know, a team that can have these long-standing players playing each other for 11 years, that means something. And, of course, Marcus Saul becomes the first international player in history to win an NBA or WNBA title and a gold medal in the same year. Uh, 18 Americans have done it. Um, but, yeah, so Spain did win in 2006. Of course, Gasol doesn't win the NBA title then. But, yeah, I mean, looking forward to that 2020 Olympics a new redeem team, if you will. It's needed. It's I mean, needed. Yeah, who's going to be on that team? I mean, that's the question right now. Okay, so sort of was looking at this yesterday, breaking it down a little bit. Uh, I think there's a favoritism within USA Basketball for guys who have played with them before. There's a certain expectation of uh, corporate knowledge, I think is the phrase that Coach Popovich likes to use. There will be some, some brownie points for the guys who played this year. I don't know if those points outweigh the, the fact that they're just not as at the same caliber as the guys that I think Team USA is hoping for. But you can go back to 2016 and some of the guys uh, from that 
group have kind of aged out. Carmelo Anthony, I think Kyle Lowry's probably not going to consider participating. DeMar, maybe, but I think he's probably on the wrong side of, uh, you know, keeping track of his body and where he wants to be with his uh, his conditioning going into the next NBA season. Guys I would target from 2016, Kyrie, Clay, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Draymond Green, uh, Harrison Barnes was also on this team. I like Harrison Barnes in the international game. He's not a superstar. I think he's a great glue guy for an international team. Now he has a ton of international experience. He was sort of a a late rotation guy in 2016. Definitely got to play a little bit more on this 2019 uh, World Cup team. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be one of the first names you put on a list for next year, knowing that he's probably not going to say no, and that way you come in with a little bit of experience. And that goes back to that corporate knowledge, too. He just spent this tournament with Popovich uh, just kind of and I think having some sort of carryover onto this team will be helpful for Popovich I don't know who else carries over from this team (laughs) Um, I would say probably Kimba Walker Harrison Barnes maybe Miles Turner depending on the depth of the big guys and I remember um, Anthony Davis wasn't on that 2016 team he could be convinced to play again absolutely especially if you're looking for a guy who's gonna say I'm the face of this redeemed team I'm the guy who's like let's bring it all together guys and build around he's the guy who kind of needs that kind of um, uh, I guess um, that glow a little bit around his name he has here's the thing he has a gold medal next to his name he was on that 2012 team before he'd even played a minute in the NBA. That was a loaded team. He was the 12th man, uh, you know, a lot of towel waving, but because there were a lot of blows, he got a lot of experience. I think he's an extremely important guy. I think if, if Harrison Barnes is your first guy that you're calling up and saying, hey, you're on, right? Because, I mean, he said he said yes the last two times. I think Anthony Davis is the, probably the second call you want to make and say, this, this could be your team. Look at how important the big man is in international play. You have a chance to go up against some really good competition, but also do some more things. And again, there's a lot that could change between now and then, especially for Anthony Davis playing on a new team with the Lakers. But he has the chance to really be a, a key cog, the if not the guy, one of the guys for sure. Uh, you probably have to ask him to play center. I know it's not his favorite thing to do, but the international game, a little bit more free-flowing at times. I I think it it works for him to be uh, the center for that team. There's a couple other guys who withdrew from that 2016 team. uh, Harden, Westbrook, and Curry. If you can get two out of those three, I think, and you combine them with AD and a couple pieces from the last couple years, you're you're fine. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the, the key to Team USA's success in the last decade. I mean, previous decades it was they had more talent everywhere and the last decade it's been their backcourt it has so much depth they're loaded there there's never a break where you don't have an all-nba guy leading the front here uh leading the the, the team here uh and yes yeah, so i mean getting Harden, westbrook curry you mentioned Kyrie and clay that's so much depth maybe there's a place for lillard or beal there you know I, other guys absolutely i think I, I mean i know kemba like we said those brownie points yeah. for for playing this year here's uh two that i think are very interesting uh, LeBron, for one, uh, he's going to be, whatever, 36, 37 next summer. He's already has two gold medals, has a ton of NBA miles. This year was the first season in, what, six years that he hasn't been in the NBA Finals. So depending on how deep the Lakers go next year, maybe by the time July rolls around, he's, say, he's, you know, he's feeling good, put one more run together, try to go get a third gold medal, which would be an awesome accomplishment for, uh, for anybody, especially for him. Uh, and then the other name that I'm looking at is Kawhi Leonard. What is what is his relationship like with Coach Popovich? Does he even get a call? Is he considered for that list? Or basically, who says no for it? It's kind of a game of chicken because everyone knows if he's healthy, he should be on that team. He should be yeah. one of the 12 best Americans. But does he say, no, nah, I'm going to sit it out for sure. I'm hurt. Does Coach Pop say we're not interested in having him because of 
the past drama or does he say no i don't want to play for coach pop there's there's going to be a diplomatic way that it gets solved I want to know what the real answer is. Right? I mean, he'd set out the workouts these, this past offseason, the 2018 offseason, uh, when teams got together, when uh, Team USA got together and practiced in Las Vegas. Then he cited injury, and that made sense because he had just missed an entire season with a quote-unquote lingering calf injury, whatever it was. Um, and then you watched him throughout this 2019 season as they went into the postseason and the playoffs, that mileage started racking up. He was limping through the finals there. I think at this point in time, Ka- Kawhi's probably counting every minute he has uh, in basketball, and it just depends. Does he want to focus on a gold medal? Does he want to focus on more NBA titles? What's the goal for him there? I, I have to say Pop will probably be the bigger man here. Uh, that's the kind of way Pop's done everything, bigger than basketball. Life is bigger than basketball. Um, and so I can imagine if Kawhi wants to play, Pop's going to invite him, because he does belong on this team, and his game probably translates oh, really so well to the national well. game. You ask him to guard just about any position, uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands, which is a really important thing in, in this international game. I, that's why I think a guy like maybe uh, Lillard or Kyrie, where you're asking them to play off the ball sometimes, it could get a little bit interesting, and I, I know when, you, when you're wearing uh, red, white, and blue, and you're playing for an, an Olympic gold medal, the egos can't really clash too much, yeah. but maybe behind the scenes a little bit, yeah, that's not going to be an issue with Kawhi. He, you know, on the offensive side, he's fine you give him the ball and he can create he can also be very productive without the ball in his hands now finalizing this roster there's always a young guy who ends up on this Ooh, yeah. team in 92 it was christian leitner you mentioned anthony davis has a medal from the time he played uh, coming out of college on the team i think this young spot goes to Bronny james <laughs> <laughs> you know he'll be right out of high school you know maybe a senior high school going to the college you know he, it, that might be the time when college eligibility changes where he could enter the NBA. That's a little flexible there, too. Uh, he teams up with LeBron, his dad, for a gold medal here. You know, you got that whole family That would be tie. an amazing story, and there would be 10 million cameras following them wherever they went. It would be uh, hilarious. I, obviously, if it was this summer, you would have talked about Zion Williamson in that role. Uh, but now you're talking next summer, he would have another year of uh, he would have a year of experience under his belt. It wouldn't be that that cute, fun story where he's the young guy tagging along with an yeah. experienced group. But yeah, no, that that's just the big fun answer there, Bronny. <laughs> he's probably not going to be on this team. There's a hundred guys. Who There's so many other him. guys who are, are way more qualified. I'll just I'll just shout out a couple here: Tobias Harris, C.J. McCollum, Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, Montrez Harrell. Uh, Julius Randle, some slightly older guys, including Kevin Love, Paul Millsap, and Thaddeus Young. It's a little bit of a slap in the face to those guys if Bronny James <laughs> or insert name of uh, of college player whose who's hot was the number one or two pick uh, gets the nod over them because those are guys who put in the work. So I've got a question for you, and maybe um, this is a little bit overreactionary based on what we just saw for the FIBA World Cup, but looking how other teams construct their rosters, they find guys who spend long-term time chunk chunks of time playing with these teams we talked about ricky rubio marcus all the french corps has been together for a while argentina has had luis scola as the face of that team for two decades does that something that this team usa approaches you know let's let's find some consistency here let's roll out a group of young guys who can be together for three olympics you know and, and a couple of world cups and make a more committed effort on the international stage. I just don't think that's possible in Mm -hmm. in 2019, 2020, and moving forward. I think these guys are so concerned with personal brands, you know, whether they're going to get a shoe deal or not, maybe, but also just growing uh, their recognition uh, nationally in the United States. I think there's so much movement going on within the NBA, and there's such a focus on the NBA season. And right now, I mean, 
I think one of the reasons, in particular in 2019, so many guys didn't play in the FIBA World Cup is there's this idea that the NBA title in 2020 is very up for grabs. It's a very wide open landscape. And maybe that changes in, in three or four years. And, you know, as another super team gets put together, maybe it's the Pelicans, maybe it's the Lakers, maybe it's the Clippers, who knows? Uh, and, and maybe that changes. But I think because of the way that can change so, so quickly now, I mean, just what, two years ago, we were talking about, oh, this Warriors dynasty is going to go on forever. Uh, they're going to win 10 titles, whatever. I mean, yeah. that, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's the idea. And now suddenly 2019 hits, Kevin Durant is gone, Clay Thompson is hurt. It's suddenly wide open again. I don't think any player who's 19, or let's take De'Aaron Fox, for example. Sacramento's on its way up. They could be making several playoff appearances in the next few years, or something might happen and they'll have to blow that team up again. Who knows? He might be there for 10 years. He might be there for another year and a half before he gets traded. Why would you commit to, I'm going to play six weeks with Team USA every summer for the next 10 years, and I'm not getting paid anything extra for it. Half of the uh, games which are going to be in this World Cup, no one's even watching, no one even cares unless we lose. Why would you sign on for that when you're looking at your NBA contract, your second contract, your third contract, and trying to grow your brand and what you can do to try to get an NBA title. I still think for as cool as the Olympic experience is, you get to go uh, be a celebrity overseas and spend time with a, a, you know, a bunch of other NBA superstars, the gold medal, something very few people in the world can claim. I still think the NBA title is the bigger prize for everybody. I agree. And I mean, I think USA is lucky in the fact that they get away with having the depth. If De'Aaron Fox plays one Olympics, but doesn't want to play the next one, there's always a next man up who's on that same level. Um, maybe There's not always going to be a LeBron James, but there's always going to be all-star, top 50 in the world guys to, to fill in those spots. So they, they, they kind of get away with, with not having any sort of consistency. Sometimes it comes back to bite them, like in this World <laughs> Cup. But, you know, as we're saying, that's not the, uh, the priority for, for NBA players from Team USA. Uh, before we move away from uh, the FIBA World Cup and address more Spurs news, let's take a look at some of the other Spurs who were here uh, playing on other teams. We mentioned Greg Popovich, of course, coach Team USA. Derek White, a uh, fellow Spur on that team, um, had a very quiet tournament until that final game, but he got the start in the Poland game. Uh, some of the players like Kimball Walker set out, and, and that led to 12 points, 7 assists, and 2 steals. We kind of addressed this last time in the build-up to the World Cup. He was kind of getting a lot of talk around him about his defense in these preliminary games, his qualifying games, warm-up games to it. And I think he still showed flashes of good defense across the board there. Yeah, I think he's he did exactly what was expected. I don't, I don't think he let anybody down. I think the expectation for him was not super high. I think there are a lot of casual NBA fans who looked at that team photo, looked at that roster, and said, who, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, don't recognize him. I barely recognize that name, especially if you were paying attention to perhaps another series in the postseason. I mean, Derek White sort of blew up in the, in the Denver series, but for some reason you were following something else closely or you were just you know, under a rock for those two weeks. You might not really even recognize Derek White's name, even if you're an NBA fan. So for the for him, it's continuing to uh, get his name out there, get uh, get those reps at a high, high level. You know, we're not talking G League games or preseason games or garbage time minutes in the NBA. This is a solid NBA. He's, he's a backup point guard right now, in the NBA, but he, he should be a top half backup point guard, probably a top 40, 45 point guard overall in the NBA and, and then therefore the world. So mm-hmm. that's that's certainly nothing to, to scoff at. And obviously he's a guy who is uh, older than a lot of other guys who have that same number of NBA years because of how long he was in college, starting at the D2 level and move, moving up to Colorado. Great story. 
I think we've talked about him. Maybe his ceiling isn't super duper high, but he has the potential to be a contributor to the Spurs or you know, hopefully the Spurs, maybe some other team at some point in his career. But he has the, the ability to be a contributor for a long time, and he showed that. Yeah, and uh, a longtime contributor for the Spurs, Patty Mills, was there for the Australia team. That team finished in fourth place, and that's largely behind Mills's play. He was the fourth highest scorer in this tournament. Um, good on you, mate, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's a team that you talk about groups that have played together for a long time. Andrew Bogut, who's now, uh, you know, fighting for a spot in the NBA, but other guys like Joe Ingles. Uh, they're just they're, you recognize names on that Australian Aaron team. Baines, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they have they have some NBA players, and, and the, for the fact that Patty Mills really took a step up and kind of became a leader of that team, it's not surprising because it's a group that's played together for a long time, and you know someone has to lead them, and uh, it's not coming from somebody new. Uh, even yeah. though you know Australia maybe has a better player who didn't play in that tournament, cough cough, Ben Simmons. <laughs> uh, Pat, Patty Mills, I think, comes into Spurs camp now with a ton of confidence as a as a scorer, and that's something the Spurs are going to want from him coming off that bench, and uh, the ability to just come in and get buckets. Yeah. Now, I think one of the 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 the, the, the feel good stories from this FIBA World Cup was that Nigerian team, and Chmezie Metu um, was a key member of that team. I love the the FIBA um, stat for efficiency is like their lead stat. He was third on in efficiency on that team and third in rebounds. And Nigeria clinched their third Olympics invite um, through this World Cup play. Um, and then Marco Bellinelli, of course, on the Italian team. Um, they couldn't get out of group play. They finished three and two. He was second in points on that team and first in assists. So those are the guys who are playing in the tournament for the Spurs. Lots of former Spurs uh, spotted on social media, spotted in the tournament. We saw uh, social media posts from Tony Parker hanging out with Boris Diaw, who I guess is the GM of the French team, which is wild <laughs> to me. Um, sure, yeah. And then Ginobili was there representing Argentina. Uh, There's a great video of him and Coach Pop meeting up after one of the games and having a big hugging and out moment there. Uh, so just a lot of Spurs there. Spurs, I guess, were one of the early adapters to an international approach, and that's kind of paid success and dividends, and so you see that when you see an international tournament here like this. Yeah, I, I really am interested in continuing to follow Chmeze Metu for the Spurs. I think he's a guy who has plenty of upside. I know he didn't get a ton of run with San Antonio last year, but uh, the, the fact that he stood out on a Nigeria team, I, I know it's not one that people, it's not a, a sexy team, there's not a lot of big NBA names, but, but th- that was a solid team with some solid players. Mm-hmm. Al Furukamina was their best player. Josh Akogi was another uh, key player for that team. And uh, yeah, looking at some other NBA names as well. Ike Diagu, who's played in the, in the league for a little while. Uh, yeah, just, it's just solid getting those, getting those high-level reps. I think there's something to be said for just playing, getting out and playing and sending a guy down to the G League to get minutes, just get run at a high level, but it's not the same as this level. So any run you can get at this level is awesome. And the fact that the Spurs are able to send as many guys as they did, the fact that it wasn't just uh, Derek White and Patty Mills for the, the, the bigger name teams, USA and Australia, but yeah, Marco Bellinelli and Chimezi Metu. I know Bellinelli's played in big games before, but for Metu, this is probably the highest level basketball he's played. And so the fact that he did well in it is, is a very encouraging sign. Could even cause some problems maybe for the Spurs because now you, you start having too many guys. Well, you know, like that, that'll be something we'll have to see as the season gets going for San Antonio. We'll talk about it a lot more. Uh, but how many players is the right number to have in terms of guys who can reasonably demand minutes? Yeah, of course. Uh, one of those guys who could reasonably demand minutes is rookie Kelvin Johnson, who we liked the flashes we saw in the summer league there. Turns out. He's a lifelong Spurs fan. Who knew? I know. I, I, we always hear people say that, but I mean, he swears it. He was uh, 
this is a story from Pounding the Rock. He was at the annual Spurs sneaker, sneaker jam answering Q&A from fans, and someone asked him who his favorite team was while growing up, and he said, and this is I quote here, my favorite team was San Antonio, I swear. It's crazy because all my teachers when I was younger asked who my favorite team was. I said the San Antonio Spurs. He grew up in what, Virginia? Virginia. So. Yeah, so that's that's not a normal answer, and I know Virginia doesn't really have a, a, a basketball team to call their own, but... That's that's a weird that's a you know that's a weird answer. Yeah, I mean he's not going to say the Wizards. They weren't anything to write home <laughs> about in the early two thousands. There, maybe he's a Gilbert Arenas fan or something. Sure, but, sure. Uh, and then speaking of the people who idolized the Spurs um, in their youth, Blake Griffin was telling a story about um, getting to play against Tim Duncan, a player that he looked up to as a kid. Um, and he came into the game saying, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk some smack to Tim Duncan." And uh, I just like the way that he uh, he said this. He, this is on Pete Holmes's podcast. You made it weird. Um, just uh, here's here's kind of what he had to say about trash talking Tim Duncan. Quote: He would do this thing where maybe you were lined up at the free throw line next to him, and he would look over at you and be like, "Oh, not you again." Or he would say something that he was engaging you, but he was also very sarcastic too. And I loved that. He would just always mess with me, and it would always make me be like, "Man, Tim's a good guy." Now I try to do that because that to me is better than seeing some young kid check in and trying to hit him hard or try to do what other guys did to me when I came in. He was so good that he knows he doesn't have to do that by engaging you that way. He disengages you. I thought that was a great anecdote. That's a Jedi mind trick uh, by a different name, basically. Yeah. Now, do you think assistant coach Tim Duncan teaches the ways to his young Padawans on the team now? Wow. That's, I don't know if that's something you can teach. I think that's just something you either have or you don't. I think it's, I mean, you could maybe talk about ways to approach the game mentally, but I don't know if specific things like that and just because that's not something you can go in and plan on. You can't go in and plan on saying, okay, well, hey, when Blake Griffin checks in or when Blake Griffin's at the free throw line, this is what I'm going to tell him. That just comes off the cuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's just something that, that comes from his personality, and it's not surprising at all knowing Tim Duncan. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how much of that you can teach. I think you can you can teach players to approach the game that way and, you know, having uh, respect and what Coach Popovich calls appropriate fear, but... I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can coach that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the the team adopt kind of a kill them with kindness mentality here. Uh, be the nice guys of the NBA. Uh, and I mean, yeah, we talk a lot about you know Tim Tim Duncan is he the greatest player of all time, the greatest powerful of all time. No arguing that he's like the goat nice guy in the league. <laughs> oh yeah, so. oh yeah. Well, David Robinson is pretty good competition. That's true. I mean, the, the fact that San Antonio's had two in in such close succession. Uh, we're spoiled. Yeah. So, I mean, Cameron, let's let's shift here then to things that are driving us batty. Um, what's what's on your mind these days? All right. So, I think we mentioned it last time we we met here, and I know it's been a little inconsistent as the off season sort of petered out a little bit. We're really looking forward to getting into that regular season grind here with you on the Big Fun Pod. Uh, but NBA 2K20 is released. Manu Ginobili not in the game, and that's that's something that was driving us batty before. I think it's a, a, a problem and something that would really make Spurs fans reasonably angry because how could you play with uh, a team that doesn't a Spurs historical team doesn't have Manu when it's supposed to? But uh, Keldon Johnson, rookie, they you know they do the face scans for some of the rookies. They really make an effort to make it as realistic as possible. I know that they adjust the ratings quite a bit once the season starts. He has a pretty good rating for a guy who comes in with a 29th pick. The problem is his name is spelled wrong. <laughs> they spelled Keldon Johnson's name. It's Keloden, K-E-L-O-D-N. They just switched the D and O. 
it's just a typo, but the fact that it got through all of the rounds of quality testing and getting out, and, and it, it's, it's been uh, well documented that NBA 2K has had plenty of problems with their launch. It's not a new thing. It seems to happen every year. But I cannot imagine the anticipation as a young guy. You, all these guys play this game. I don't care what they say. They've all grown up with this game now. Uh, they, they've been looking forward to this day for a year now since they've. you start to know I'm going to be an NBA guy. You go through that pre-draft process. You get drafted. You sign your contract. You know you're getting set. You you go through all the training and all that other stuff. You know you're gonna buy the game and you're gonna boot it up and you're gonna play as yourself in the video game. That is a dream come true for so so many people. Can you imagine this appointment to to open it up and they have your name spelled wrong? I know. I mean, he clearly seemed excited about being the game. He was posting on Instagram, here's my profile card and things like that. And honestly, that's how it was called out. He posts the profile card and suddenly there's comments, Colodin, Colodin Johnson. Uh, like you said, it's a typo. I'm sure they've gone back and fixed it in one of their patch repairs or something like that. But just ridiculous. Uh, you know what else you're not going to see in 2K20? We mentioned Manu Ginobili. You're not going to see ninja headbands in 2K20, the ninja headwear, uh, because you're not going to see that in the game of NBA, uh, on NBA basketball courts around the nation. Uh, it was something new that kind of came about last year. I think uh, Montrez Harrell for the Clippers wore one, Mike Scott on the 76ers. A handful of players are wearing quote-unquote ninja headwear headbands that kind of had the tie back. They're a little looser. Um, yeah, picture your typical ninja, if you will. Um, it came out uh, that as the league is kind of approaching the season, they do all the kind of rule changes. They make sure they've got everything set up for what they want and a successful season. And one of the things they did was banned that ninja headwear. Um, it sounded like this came down from Nike, who are the uniform manufacturers for the league, as not being um, sanctioned headwear that they wanted to include. They're going to look about doing it in the future. Meanwhile, as all this is happening, the U.S. opens on. And Rafael Nadal is wearing a Nike ninja headband. Why can't the NBA players do that? It's I mean, Nike manufactures them. All the ones that were being worn last year had the Nike swoosh on them. So it's not something that Nike is ashamed of making because they make them and they are providing them to athletes. But they just decided that it's not appropriate for the basketball court, but it's fine for the tennis court. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the NBA has a documented history in enforcing dress codes on the court, off the court. Famously, uh, during the Alvin, Allen Iverson days, told players they had to wear suits and ties and dress nice and players found ways to rebel against that and they come out looking like the bad guy the league does when they Russell do Westbrook like has some has some words for that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know no shirt no shoes no problem for Westbrook here but um yeah I mean it's not gonna look good I mean they always look like the bad guy when they try to enforce these little petty rules like that I'd imagine um in the next year uh next season the 2020-2021 season we'll probably see Nike roll out official team ninja headbands and they'll sell them to you for 20 bucks a pop on on, on their website exactly so that I mean look for that in the future and speaking of the future as well I mean, we've got preseason right around the corner here training camps uh starting here pretty soon Spurs media day is September 30th Kins 5 will be out there at media day covering all the good fun that happens there um, the final training training camp roster is usually announced into September. There's been a few reports uh, kind of around that Drew Eubanks might be earning a spot on that team. That's a player that we really liked in Summer League here. Uh, you heard Joe Reinagel uh, sing his praises um, for what he did on that Summer League roster for Vegas. Yeah, he was a two-way guy for the Spurs last year. I think there's still a two-way spot open for him. I don't know if there's really a roster spot available for him. The, the Spurs are a little bit tight now. Uh, but I think he can still 
I think he's still a top candidate for that two-way spot, and we'll we'll see some NBA minutes as a result. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he might be seeing minutes in the first preseason game. Tip-off for that is October 5th, and we take on the Magic there. And as we head towards that game, we'll be here on the Big Fun Podcast covering all your Spurs news, all your NBA news, and of course, keeping it big and fun. Please rate us wherever you may be listening to this podcast, be it Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're all throughout the podcast multiverse here. Um, Cameron, any final thoughts, last words here? No, I mean, I think I think we pretty much covered it. I think Team USA, I'm glad to see that we're going to be able to turn the page on this and, and really start getting into the NBA season, the preseason. I like that it's shorter than it's been in years past. In the past, it's dragged on a bit. Uh, they're keeping it pretty compact. I think it's only five games wow. this year. Uh, so a, a quick chance to, uh, to, get those, uh, to get that glance at the guys you want to see. One that Spurs fans should be keeping an eye on Sunday, October 13th, Zion Williamson will appear with the Pelicans. I don't know whether he'll actually play or not. We're assuming he will because I think rookies are guys who, even if they're stars, you still kind of expect them to get some run in the preseason. Uh, Important because if you are trying to catch him in the AT&T Center, the Pelicans don't return to San Antonio until late in the NBA season. You don't know what might happen then. So uh, that could be as far as preseason games going. I know there's other things that you might want to watch on on a Sunday in October. Uh, but Sunday, October 13th, Pelican-Spurs is my top preseason game to watch. All right, circle that one as a marquee game there. And also <laughs> circle the 2020 Olympics for your Bronny James sightings oh, here. Boy. All right, that's the Big Fun Podcast. I'm Jackson. That's Cameron. We'll talk to you next time.